Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We ploughed through all 20 clubs and what they did and what they yeah. maybe could do next season in the Premier League with uh, Tom Rennie commentate the friend of the show um, we also chatted to the manager owner chairman all one man of Dorking Wanderers <laughs> they've got quite the story bunch of mates who got together to start the team and they now find themselves in the National League we'll tell you more about that we had some clicks of the week pewter from 2009 so we'll chuck those in as well so uh, that's all coming up lovely good afternoon everyone good afternoon Andy what a marvellous last day climax it was. It yes, was it was. Was, it? it was fantastic. I mean, you were at a game. It's often difficult. I've, mm. uh, the, the famous Aguero day, I was watching Tottenham, I think, lose that day. Or possibly draw. But it's, it makes it harder. I was, I was yeah, at it's home. great fun, though. It's great for How first... were you able to follow it? You were at Brentford, well, weren't you? Yeah, we were able to follow it because, obviously, all the apps and... Uh, <laughs> and you were hearing from to... the Leeds fans when Burnley, you know... Yeah, you, well, we knew. It, and, uh, but the blokes next to... I was following it on the BBC app, and the blokes next to me had something called Sofa Score. Yes. And they were so far ahead of me. I don't know what happened with the BBC. I was, I was giving them... By the end, I was giving them reports from sort of like the 1930s. Okay, Association Football and... Wolverhampton Wanderers have scored Derek Dugan with the goal I mean it was ridiculous I was so far behind so far them. yeah okay it's ridiculous so uh, but we were able to follow it it was very exciting mm. I mean you know you sort of watching that game but following the other games it was brilliant and keeping an eye on Chelsea when Watford equalised oh yeah I was thinking that <laughs> for goodness we sake. would have ended we would have ended the season a point behind you on that basis just a point behind you well you know Chelsea had a terrible second half of the season yeah, really and very strange especially home season they only won nine games at home all season so not yeah. good enough but really. your little grandson had the chance to watch the, the, the lap of appreciation he's been to end. three games and he's seen three last minute goals uh, two yeah. For Chelsea, one for Wolves. He must think football's fantastic. It's always like yeah. this, and they stayed for the you know the players' lap of appreciation and mm. kids on the pitch. I think they, they had a great time. So, fantastic. Yeah, it's always good. But I mean, fair play to Liverpool and City. You know, they are two fantastic. Nobody else wants to hear this, but they yeah. are two brilliant teams playing in the same era. And you know, whatever anybody does next season, there are you know you've got to try Spurs, Chelsea, and people like that. But 
It's going to be... You can't really see City and Liverpool not being either first or second next mm. year. Yeah. It seems unlikely. Does make Injuries make a difference, but, you know, other than that, it does look difficult. Uh, we're going to be chatting to uh, Tom Rennie, um, who's been uh, uh, popping up, of course, throughout the season with us, commentator and uh, journalist, to look back over the season. We'll look at all 20 clubs, what they achieved, overachieved, underachieved, what they maybe need to do sure. to do better next season. It's all in the recruitment. Uh, Dan's noticed what I noticed at Man City, the Man City screamer. He yes. Her, really like the old <clears throat> Arsenal screamer. Sure. I think she was a member of the uh, yeah, coaching staff. She was next to Pep. I she think was. it was her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Understandably, but, I think, in the way they she, won it. But she wasn't quite... The, the Arsenal screamer had this ability to be first to celebrate. Yeah. That was her thing, really. They always heard her. She always screamed before the ball even hit the back of the net. As soon as it left the player's foot, she had this sort of extra sense of when the goal no, was going to be I think scored. she now works for the uh, she works for UEFA as a technical expert <laughs> no. because she could spot how often did the Arsenal screamer get it right because often the second pass in a build up it'd still be in the yeah. opposition's half and she started screaming she she knew she knew she knew when a move was building that was going to end up in a goal against Arsenal it was, it was uncanny wasn't it um, mm. Andy you were telling me earlier on that um, uh, why, why did you bring up the subject of Ed Smith, the uh, former England cricketer and selector? Uh, oh, because of the Savannah Bananas. <clears throat> oh, yes. This is a bit complicated, but there's a, we're reading about a team, we might do something on this later in the week, a team of, in baseball yes. in America who call themselves the Savannah Bananas. Mm. And they have various mad things. They're a bit like the Harlem Globetrotters but yeah. for baseball. And they have a thing that if you're caught in the crowd, normally that'd be a home run or mm. a six in cricket, but if you're caught by somebody in the crowd, that's out. I'm thinking, what a great idea, because I was once playing against Ed Smith, and he was on his way to 100, and I was bowling to him, and he basically hit the ball into the crowd. It was at the nursery ground at Lord's. And the security guard took a wonderful one-handed catch. And so when Ed got his 100, I went to him, no, that doesn't actually count. You were actually (laughs) out. (laughs) He didn't really like that, but I I sort of laboured the point. and said, look, it's a very small boundary. If that had been a normal ground, you'd definitely caught there. Very sporting of you. I know it was. But the I like the idea of being caught in the crowd and it counting. That would yeah. be fantastic, wouldn't it's it? Good, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the upside of uh, fan involvement. Mm. So we may bring you uh, a chap with the Savannah Bananas who, when they play, go through a lot of quite intricate choreographed dance moves, don't they? As a team. Yeah, they're incredible. Is, no, yeah. it's very funny. And their home run trot around the bases is good. Uh, somebody said to me yesterday, I wonder what Sean Dyche will make of all of this. You know, it's a good point actually. What, what must he have felt? Yeah. I mean, presumably he wanted them to stay up. Of course he did. But on the other hand, you know, it would have looked like that was the right decision to get rid of him if they mm. had stayed up. I was thinking he's actually might be, not my job by the way. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. And uh, it's a chance now to uh, reflect on the performances of all the teams in the Premier League via their games on the final day of the season. We do that in the company of um, TalkSport International commentator, broadcaster, journalist, and a man who's been with us quite a few times throughout the season in this slot. Tom Rennie. Hi, Tom. I like to think friend of the show as well. well yeah, we, 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 we take that as we take that as red. <laughs> um, so we thought the easiest way to do it was to look at every side via those matches yesterday. Uh, we have to start at the Etihad, City and Villa. Um, I, I suppose from a City point of view, Tom, as Andy was just saying, it's hard to believe that they're going to have a dip when Erling Haaland turns up. They're probably strengthening other areas as well. Uh, and as Andy was quite rightly saying, you know, still next season, it's hard to believe that City and Liverpool won't be the two teams to beat. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, the, the only hope we've got, really, is that Erling Haaland's injury record is as bad in England as it was in Germany. If that happens, we've got a chance that somebody else might win the league next year. Um, look, it was incredible, right? It was an incredible final day. It was, it was one of the best final days I've ever worked on. There was tremendous drama in it. And, you know, we very nearly got that Coutinho delivers the title for Liverpool thing, which we've all been teasing for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it was fantastic. But, look, this Man City side, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about them. And we, we can't discount the Sovereign Wealth Fund element and who else could bring on someone as good as Gundogan for Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling from the bench to win the game so you know fair enough that has to be part of the conversation but to go 2-0 down against West Ham last week to go 2-0 down against Villa this week and to have that ability to go up through the gears and that five minutes that frenetic fabulous Mm. incredible five minutes you know if you can just I struggle with it, but if you can just step away from all of that for a minute and just watch it on a pure football basis, that was so exhilarating. It was so thrilling. Um, And it's the kind of thing that only really Pep Guardiola teams can kind of deliver. You know, it was all on the line in that moment. And for them to get over the line and the winning goal, you know, Gundogan scores it. But that Kevin De Bruyne cross, I mean, I said this to you a few times. A few years ago, when he was playing for City against Wigan, I remember Dan Byrne, who was playing for Wigan, said some of those crosses from Kevin De Bruyne were disgusting. And that's the word he used in his post-match. And that cross was disgusting. It was despicable. It was undefendable. That's not a word. But you see what I'm saying. And it was just that it was great. The best player for me in the Premier League this season was so pivotal and crucial to winning the league on the final moment. Quite a lift for the Villa fans mm. today to, to sign. We're going to talk to Andy Brassel about him. He's already been tweeting that Villa have played a blinder with the signing of uh, Bubakar Camera. He's a really, yep. really good player, a good money that they'll almost certainly turn a profit on when if they come to sell at some point. But, yeah, I mean, what about Villa overall uh, in terms of the season? They've signed Coutinho, of course, on a permanent now. I mean, it was a nothing season, really, right? It, it, the Dean Smith bit 
went on a little bit too long following what the fifth straight defeat he had to go. Steven Gerrard came in. He had that new manager boost. But at this moment in time, I'm not sure Steven Gerrard knows what his team is. Like we hear from Aston Villa that they would like a quite substantial clear out this summer. I'm not sure many of these players are Steven Gerrard players. You look at the mistake that Tyrone Mings made for the winner. I think he's quite a poor defender. I think you look at the improvement of people like Jacob Ramsey. I think you see what Steven Gerrard wants. He wants people more in the Ramsey mould, maybe the Watkins mould, some some real improvements Ollie Watkins has made in recent weeks. I think it's been clear for a little while now that it's it's Watkins, not Ings, that Steven Gerrard is going to want. Mm. And I expect a lot of wholesale changes because there's a lot of underperforming players in that squad. I mean, people like Bertrand Traore and Leon Bailey. What is the point of these two guys? Right? And I think Steven Gerrard would have come in and gone, you know what? You're absolutely right. Why have I got both of these sort of nothing fancy Dan, no contribution wingers? What I want is hardworking, creative players. You have Buendia and Coutinho behind a striker like Watkins. That could really work. I think yesterday we saw closer to what Steven Gerrard might want, but I think they're a long way from being a Steven Gerrard team. Yeah, yeah and also just how, you know, the Premier League's so competitive. You do yeah. think, what's their ceiling, Villa? Is it top eight? It probably is, isn't it? Eighth, seventh, eighth, I would imagine. I can't see them being higher than that, but I might be wrong, of course. They've got, they've got to try. Yeah. Uh, also, just, just as a side mm, note for that, yeah. do you think that Emmy Martinez might have got to that Rodri shot? <laughs> Yesterday, because yes, I do. I've got a feeling he might have done. Mm. I completely agree with that. I think, you know, God bless Olsen for coming in. That first 20 minutes, how shaky did he look? Like, he, he could have conceded three or four in the first 10 15. I think that when you lose a goalkeeper of the quality of Martinez, who I think is right up there in the top three or four in the league, you lose someone like that, you know, you haven't got someone of that quality to replace him. So I completely agree. If, if he was fit, um, then maybe we're talking about a different thing today. But, you know, if, if my auntie had wheels, she'd be a barrow, wouldn't she? We'll, uh, we'll have to up the speed, I think, to get from everybody. Liverpool Wolves, I mean, you know, Liverpool's still got uh, a big game coming up, uh, of course, at the weekend. Jamie O'Hara saying he was there yesterday felt they're just looking a bit physically and mentally tired but being able to rest players big key players uh, may well help them but what of what their season they really couldn't have done much more could they? No I mean they'd be champions in what 20 of the last 30 years you know it's it's incredible to think they've got another year where they've just won so many games they've got 92 points which is a ludicrous number and they're not going to be champions so they have been incredible I'd, I'd, I'd fancy them next week in the Champions League final against Real Madrid I've been in present for, for both their cup final wins so I think that the double is brilliant the treble is on but I think you could tell going into the game yesterday it was a little bit well we might win the league and that'd be great if we did but I don't think anyone really thought it was going to happen you know no, there was a lot 2-0 of... down I thought it was going to happen Yes, well, it was, yes quite. <laughs> but it was. I think at that point they were like, right, okay, we might start. We'll get on the front foot here. But it was, it was a very. I thought it was going through the motions for a lot of the first forty-five minutes or so. I think there wasn't a great deal of belief they could do it until the score started filtering down. But they are fantastic. They're a great team. I hope they're not broken up anytime soon. There's talk of Salah and Mane and all that sort of stuff. But the, the Premier League kind of needs Jurgen Klopp because without Jurgen Klopp and this Liverpool team, we haven't got much. Mm. We haven't got much that can get anywhere near Manchester City. It's the the brilliance of Jurgen Klopp and what he gets out of this group of players and the great squad building job they have done that's why we're not the Bundesliga right now because otherwise if we don't have Liverpool there's no one going to get anywhere near Man City yeah. next season maybe mm, the season true. after um, and that's a worry that's a big worry I think for, for mm. people who want the Premier League to remain good and one, of, one of Wolves who made a decent starter <laughs> in the European places and then just <laughs> fell away you're expecting a bit of churn there there can be a new wave of Portuguese talent coming in I think they'll do well to keep Neves a the lot existing of clubs like yeah, there could be a few uh, on the move the issue for me for Wolverhampton Wanderers is that I don't know about this Bruno Large fit with Wolverhampton Wanderers. I think they've been horrible to watch this season. They've ground out points, but they have been 
probably one of the most negative teams in yeah, the I league. You know, they, they they score a goal and they shut the game down. They concede a goal yeah. and in general they get nothing from mm. the game. That's been the story of most of the season, if not on, on Sunday. I think Bruno Large is a very, very negative coach. He's a very much school of Allardyce kind of manager. And if this was a gruff northerner in charge, I think maybe there might be a bit more criticism of what Wolves have done this season. They've got some good attacking talent. Yes, they've not been as fit as maybe Wolves would have liked this season. Neto going off injured again early yesterday was, was a massive shame, but... I, I, they've just been horrible to watch, frankly. And I think there's a few players there that might be thinking, should we go to like maybe a football team uh, at some point soon? And people like Neves might be might be part of that. They've this got week... Traore coming back as well. Yeah, that's true. Know, I think Spurs might <laughs> yes. have a look. Yes, yeah, could give him away. Yes, and yeah. uh, we should um, look at one half of Brentford Leeds before we head to the news and sports headlines. Um, let's start with Brentford. Andy, you're making the point that you think t- uh, keeping Ericsson potentially and, and keeping Tony will be key. Yeah, I think that's going to be difficult for um, both players. Maybe Tony more so. I think Ericsson. I don't see Ericsson there next season. I but might be wrong. A but. great, a great season with a team with a pretty uh, clear identity of a way to play yeah. in the league, which has worked for them. But I do see him staying. Somebody said to me yesterday that he's his kids are enrolled in local school. He's got a house and blah blah blah. So yeah. I don't see him Most necessarily. Have. They're quite rich, you know. No, no, I don't see. But <laughs> yeah, he's got roots. I don't see him yeah. not staying in in the Premier League Maybe or in one, London. Yeah, no, that's probably true. So uh, Brentford, Tom. Yeah, no, I, I think that the point made there was absolutely right. Clear identity, and that's something that we can talk about Burnley later. They don't quite have an identity at this moment in time. I think that cost them. But Brentford have got it, and Brentford have played their way all season. They've been very physical at times. They've gone long at times. They've played a front two at times. I know it was kind of a three yesterday, but they've, they've had great link-up play between Mbuma and Tony a lot of times. You know, if it wasn't for that terrible run of injuries they had December through January, we might be talking about a top eight, top six finish for, for Brentford. The way they've just... You know, at times this season just switched it on. Just switched it on mm. at times. I know it was disappointing yesterday, but I think it's been brilliant. I'd like to see that them invest during this summer. I think it's not about sales. I don't want them to be talking about, are we going to keep him, keep him, keep him? That can be such a distraction to what's required to not have a second season syndrome like Leeds have just had. And that is build on what you've got. I'd be looking at bringing in some better centre-halves um, than what they've had this season. I like Ethan Pinnock, good long throw, but is he good enough to play in the Premier League? Christopher Iyer may be similar. I may be thinking about getting some support in midfield for Norgard, who ran his socks off every single game. I'm not sure Ericsson will stay, but even Yoen Wisser, someone like that, he's done a great mm. job this year. Next year, I wouldn't want to be relying on him <clears throat> if I was Brentford. Let's talk Leeds and we'll squeeze Leeds in. Um, I mean, a few of the Leeds fans uh, in the build-up to this week were not having Jesse Marshall quite worried about the appointment. They have yeah. survived, so is he the man who stop uh, happening what happened this season happening next season as well yeah I think Jesse Marsh is a good manager I think he's a good manager and it's a good fit because I've always felt like Jesse Marsh wants to play that attacking sort of style of, of Bielsa but he added a kind of defensive organisation which wasn't there previously last few weeks it's all gone off the rails again and suddenly when you get to the last four or five games of the season of course things get desperate and he's tried some weird things like Rafinha at wing back and at one point against Chelsea they had like nine centre halves on the field <laughs> whilst chasing a goal so it was very very odd um, but I do think that there was a long term plan at Leeds to build a team in Jesse Marsh's image. I think that, you know, he, he could be a, a bit of a figure of fun for us, but, you know, I, I think he's, he does motivate these players. They do want to play for him and he deserves a crack of the whip. And frankly, I'm not sure Leeds could do a great deal better than a project manager, which is what Marsh is. Yeah, they're going to lose Rafinha, though, yeah. I think, definitely. Yeah. And not overtraining them will help because then they won't have the terrible injuries that they've had this year, which must, yeah. I don't know this, but you feel it must be something to do with the amount of work they do in training. Absolutely. 40 more uh, teams to squeeze in. Uh, and we'll be doing that uh, with Tom Rennie in a few moments' time. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
Tom Rennie is with us. We've um, ticked off six of the clubs. We've got lots mm. to get through. Where should we go next? <coughs> Burnley, Newcastle. We said we'd <coughs> touch on Burnley. Let's, let's uh, do that now. We're going to have a chat with Kieran Maguire, the football finance expert, later on, Tom. And uh, mm. yeah, they're facing up. It's going, to be, it's going to be difficult for them to bounce back, isn't it? I mean, yep. what did you make of their season and how it unravelled in the end? I think they just lost their personality. Like We all kind of knew what Burnley were over the Sean Dyche era, the eight years they'd been in the Premier League, and we knew what they would do. But across the season, of course, Sean Dyche got sacked, and then they lost Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes injured most of the season. They lost Jay Rodriguez for a long spell. And you look at the team yesterday, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, there was no Tchaikovsky for long spells. Ben Mee has been missing for a long time. Lots of little individual elements that make Burnley what they were mm. have kind of gone this year. And then they were kind of left with this sort of husk of a team trying to go through the motions and do dice ball for the last few weeks. Um, the not bringing a new manager in spoke of terrible mismanagement. You're going to talk about the finances shortly. Speaks of a terrible ownership model. I am worried for Burnley, but I think across the years they have been in the league, they haven't contributed a great deal to it. And I think at, at this moment in time for Burnley, this was their time. We're, we're way past time for Burnley to drop back down to the championship. Um, they, they had a good run for some spells, but this has been an average season of poor performances, no no personality whatsoever. And I think it, it's right that they went. Uh, for Newcastle, Newcastle. Yeah, it's just second a... half of the season, they would have been fourth, which yeah. is incredible. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, they're going to be spending a lot more money. We're going to see a different side. What can they re- realistically... Um, achieve. I suppose a lot of it depends on the recruitment, but where would you expect yeah. them to end up at the end of next season? Where should they be ex- aiming for? I expect them to battle for the top six next season, mm-hmm. frankly. I think that what Eddie Howe has done, look, obviously they're definitely not owned by the Saudi Arabian royal family. We know that as a fact. Definitely not. No way. Um, <laughs> but the money that comes into the club and the public investment fund of where? Oh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, right. Um, well, for that money that comes in, they, they can't spend wildly because of financial fair play and those regulations. But I think that what Eddie Howe has done is taken a, a, pretty much the same group. You can't, you don't add Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne, Chris Wood and become world beaters. So he's a mm. very good coach. He's got this team playing on the front foot, which they never did under Steve Bruce or Rafa Benitez or anyone that's been in charge there for years and years and years. He's harnessed the power of St. James's Park. What an intimidating place to go when you're being run at by play- people like Sir Maximan and Wilson and Almiron and even Joe Linton running forward is pretty scary. Yeah. He's, the conversion of him has been brilliant and Gwimaresh has made a big difference yeah. too. So they're looking really good, I think, for the future. Agreed. I think they're going to have a big future. I think Eddie Howe is the right man to do it. You might have an English person in the top six. Imagine that. Um, Norwich um, capitulated <laughs> yesterday uh, against Spurs. Um, so what of them? Do you, ex- <clears throat> do you expect them to bounce back this time? Yeah, champions. Mm. Champions in 11 months' time. Of course they will be. I mean, with the parachute payments, the teams that, that, that go down get, what well, they get the full money this year, 55% the following year, then 45-35. It's ludicrous what they get mm. in terms of parachute payments. So every year, the championship now, with all the financial issues there, they're getting a new Man City. Two new Man Cities drop in every single year. The trouble is for Norwich this year, look, they thought they built a Premier League squad. They did not. Mm. When they are champions in 10 months' time, um, whoever was in charge of making decisions, it was Stuart Webber or anybody, they need to not be in charge charge next time. You don't buy Ozan Kabak and Josh Sargent and all the nonsense they bought and think you've built a Premier League squad. They were either lying to us or lying to themselves. But either way, champions next year and we can do this exact same thing in two years. From Tottenham's <laughs> point of view, um, you know, that was closing couple of months <clears throat> of the season uh, under Conte. They weren't conceding a lot of goals. Some big wins, a big draw at Anfield, it transpired. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't fault the job he did. A lot of the papers nope. today are saying... Yeah, he hasn't committed himself, um, but I think he wouldn't, would he? Because he wants a bit of leverage with the chairman. 
I, I think Antonio Conte, I love Antonio Conte. He's probably my favourite manager in football because he's, he's such a brilliant lunatic and I love that about managers. And I think that what he's done at Tottenham is actually quite remarkable because he's made them very, very solid. I love the back three. Um, I know there's no Romero right now, but Romero, Dyer and Davis, the front three, Kulisewski, Son and Kane, um, Benton Core and Hoybier midfield been great. Lloris pulls out some good saves. In the summer, you buy two Big ask, I know. World-class wing-backs mm, to replace yeah. Sessegnon, Real, and those guys, right? And, uh, you know, <clears throat> you mentioned a couple of weeks ago people like Kukurea and Lamptey. Absolutely, I think they'd be better than what they've got. But you pick out the right people. I think Spurs could be in serious, serious business. Now, does that mean chasing down Man City? Probably not. But it does mean looking at a battle for a second with Liverpool, mm. with Chelsea. And I think they're way ahead of where Man United are, way ahead of where Arsenal are, Leicester, West Ham, all those other teams that <clears> might think they <throat> can do it. I think Spurs next year, keeping Conte, I don't think he'll care too much about the Champions League. I think Antonio Conte is a domestic league master. I wouldn't discount a title run, actually, from Spurs. I think they're really onto something with this team and this manager. And I agree with that. Yeah. And uh, they do have to buy Kulisewski and Betancourt, having got them in yeah. on loan. Mm. So that will restrict them slightly. And so the man, the chairman you know, will have to back him. You know, And if you want two quality wing-backs, like Tom's just mentioned, you, know, you are looking at 50, 60. Yeah, you would think so, yeah. Oh, no, I'm What's the, what's the point of having Antonio Conte there if you're not going to back him? Like, yes. he isn't going to be. He might stay. Mm. He's probably going to stay next year. He's not staying longer than that. Even if they win the league, he's not going to stay. That's not who he is. He'll mm. fall out with everybody from chairman to doorman. So <laughs> you've got to give him the money right now and don't give the next five managers money because I guarantee you, Tottenham, you ain't getting anyone better with the next five managers you get. So give it all to Conte now and try and win the league next year. That's what I do. Two schools of thought on Arsenal that they came up short when it mattered or there's those uh, Arsenal fans. I think Wrighty was saying a similar thing. He's seen development. He thinks Europa League isn't a disaster for a young squad that's still developing. So where do you stand on those? Uh, it's they're underwhelming if you're of the kind of banter school of thought in football mm. and you can take the mickey out of, of Arsenal, which is always fun for everybody. But I think that I think Mako Arteta has done a really, really good job with Arsenal. He's taken away that whole, this is Arsenal football club mentality. Mm. There's no expectation or what we deserve or our birthright with Arsenal in this team. And I think he's moving in the right direction. The irritating thing maybe for Arteta was they were so agonisingly close to fourth. If they'd have spent the entire season seventh to fifth and nicked mm. it on the final day, I think it'd be handshakes all around. Yeah. He's going in the right direction with that team. I don't think they're going to be in the <coughs> Champions League mix or indeed the, the title mix anytime soon, but I don't think they spend the money to do that. So I think fifth in the table is about as high as they are going to go anytime soon, but they're going to do it with a likeable, entertaining, developing, slow burn squad. And that's better than what they had before, which was just, you know, overpaid nonsense players occasionally delivering an FA Cup but not being happy about it. Yeah, they need a bigger squad to cope with the Europa League yeah. and they could oh, yeah. probably do with a Calvert-Loon or somebody like that. Uh, yeah. what, I'm talking to which one of Everton, uh, Tom, what about their chances of not being <coughs> in the same me. situation again at the end of next season? Um, I wouldn't be particularly hopeful, to be honest. I, I think Frank Lampard, I, I don't think he is a particularly good manager, in truth. I, I've watched a lot of Frank Lampard teams, Everton, Derby and Chelsea, and I don't know what they are. I've watched maybe 50 or so games, most of our listeners would have done at this point. And you, like, what does a Frank Lampard team do? I've got absolutely no idea. I think he did the right thing over the last few weeks and just bring in the fighters and get rid of any of the fancy Dans or football players from the team and try and grind points out. So fair enough, he did do that. But next season, clean slate, who knows how much money they're going to have but a lot of players have got to go and then what players come in I don't know what a Frank Lampard player is I don't know what his identity is I think at this moment it's a big experiment 
with Everton. And right now they're betting on Frank Lampard being a good coach. And I don't see a great deal of evidence of that. I can only see, at best, top of the bottom half next season. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're forward players. Anthony Gordon had a very good season. Richarlison's, when he's on it, is excellent. And Calvert, it's, you know, can they retain those three? If not, I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I think anyway. Gordon will stay. Yeah. He's an Evertonian. <coughs> yeah, I think he, he's committed to the club. Um, what yeah. of Palace then? And uh, the job Vieira's done and, and how they can build on that. They're going to lose Conor Gallagher, uh, which is a blow because he's been very good for them. But um, what of their future, you think? I don't think there's, there's going to be a great deal of change. I think there's a lot of praise for Patrick Vieira this season, rightly so. There's some fantastic wins, some great performances, and they were significantly better than Manchester United yesterday. Losing Gallagher is massive, but how far do you go with Crystal Palace without a massive cash injection? 48 points is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Three points off ninth this season for, for Crystal Palace, but they're going to lose their best player. And once you lose, lose someone like Conor Gallagher, they're almost irreplaceable when you lose somebody like that who is the heartbeat of that team. So how do you find another heartbeat? You don't, right? It's going to be impossible to find. So he's got to find a new way of playing without his best player next season. It's a huge challenge, but I do have a lot of faith in Patrick Vieira. I think he's a very, very good coach who understands the game, but he's got to have the right people around him to identify the right players, and we don't know if he can do that yet. Four teams to squeeze in in a minute or so. I knew this would happen. We were always going to run out with uh, 20 teams. West Ham, your lot. A bit of a disappointing last day. I mean, a good yeah. season overall. I hope the shine yeah, has not been taken off of it. Absolutely gutting but, not to get into the Europa League. Yeah, in the old conference plate. Not <laughs> ideal. Yeah. Not ideal. I'll take the conference league. I'm not bothered about that at all, frankly. West Ham have had, I think, maybe 10 top seven finishes ever, and they're 125-odd years old. So, you know, I'm not going to look down on that for a second. Another European run for West Ham is, is amazing. I'd more than take that. I don't care who we play, and if they get into the semi-finals again, very happy. But West Ham played 54 games this season and made the least amount of rotations to starting 11 of anyone in the Premier League. You know where the issues are. You know what the problems are. They're six players short of, of achieving what they would want. If they can bring in two players to back up Antonio, two midfielders to back up Socek and Rice, keep Deck and Rice and bring in some better fullbacks, I think West Ham could do exactly the same again. Good manager, good team, but you can't do it with 12 players. You just can't. Brighton's ever highest Premier League finished. <clears throat> um, I mean, fantastic <clears throat> for them. They will probably, you know, sell one of their big players, probably Basuma, because they've already signed yeah. uh, the replacement. Um, so, uh, if they keep players and keep recruiting well, can they build on that or have they, have they found their level, you think, Tom? No, I think it, it, it's all about being able to retain your talents. Like, I, I admire the business model of Brighton massively. I think it's fantastic in terms of what they do, and they give players a great springboard to other clubs. But there's got to be a point where someone like Brighton, someone like Graham Potter goes, actually, no, you know what? We're going to keep Kukurea, and we're going to keep Bissouma, we're going to keep whoever else they want, and really have a go at it. A brilliant football team, competent, confident on the ball, add a goal scorer to what they have. That's a potential top six mm. team. I think they're so, so close to it. Yeah. But it's whether it's the business model or we're going to... We're going to twist and try and do something. So it's a big summer mm. for them. And Leicester, what, are they, what Leicester can build on uh, next year? I mean, it looks like they're going to retain um, their key players. <clears> they have a big advantage, isn't they? Not in Europe. They're going to be kind of, you know, dangerous, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they're a top four challenger. I do. I think that this season, the, 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 the amount of games they played and the sheer volume of injuries they had at points this season. <clears> I mean, they finished eighth. And mm. would you say they had a good season? Nobody would. Mm. But they've finally got the team back together for the last few weeks of the I season. And it's three four. wins and a draw. No, I challenge you, though. I think mm. they'll be up there. I can see them getting around 
65 points, and 65 points is usually just underneath it, but I think they'll be in that conversation all season long. Good manager, good players, some smart additions. They'll need to replace Telemans, who looks like he's going. Do that, and I think they, they, they're going in the right direction. Everything about Leicester, they would have had such a better season if you just got rid of November to February, but that's mm. probably true. I think they might look at year. Pope as well. Yeah. Yeah. And finally and briefly, yeah. Saints fell off a cliff. You're not going to mention Chelsea. Where does that? We haven't done, haven't done Chelsea. Of course, we haven't done you, have we? Chelsea and what? Best we got, we've run out of time. Um, All right. Okay, okay. Let's, let's okay here we go. Here in we go. in a sentence, seconds. Leicester and there was yeah. Southampton. Give us Southampton first. Southampton, big trouble next year. Uh, I think they could be relegation bound. Not a good squad for Chelsea. Massive summer of tumult and in ho- a whole defence is required. And Watford, I look forward to them being second in the championship and back in the league in 11 months. <laughs> I think we've covered. Anything you add on the Chelsea front, Andy? Well, I don't briefly? know about a whole defence, but yes, um, two defenders. And uh, they've got to solve the problem of scoring goals at home. They've got to yeah. solve that home record. Yeah, but I said you've got a £100 million striker, but he's not been able to do it, has he? No. That's because he's not very good. Ah. And on that bombshell, <laughs> Tom, it's been a pleasure chatting to you throughout the season. Have a good summer. We'll catch up with you uh, next season. Always happy to come on. Thanks, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Talking of referees, hmm. um, a visibly moved Mike Dean as he blew the final whistle in his final ever game, understandably after his career in refereeing. But you could fantastic. see yeah. it was it was quite moving well, to see was, it. He was quite sad to have to do Chelsea Watford. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why he was so upset. But I think you know, I mean, we're this, we're, we've lost some very experienced referees, and I think you know, look, he's. Every referee at yeah. some point uh, inadvertently has sawn us off and there are vendettas against them. But, you know, he's been a great referee for a long time oh, and yeah. I think he'll be missed, definitely. It's also the style of refereeing. The games that he's involved with is yeah. generally good because he lets it flow and, yeah, you know, yeah he's not overly fussy. Might be easy to replace. No, definitely. And go and watch Tranmere, though, can't he now? And he yeah, can indulge yeah. in, in well, Isn't he himself? going to be doing VAR stuff, I think he is? don't know, is he? I think, oh, I think okay. so, yeah. Good. I should stand corrected. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, yes. What have I got? Did you see the new royal coin with Prince William's face on it? Mm. It's a little bit of a football connection. It says here the coin was created by engraver Thomas T. Doherty. Tommy oh, Doherty. That's yeah. beautiful. Born yeah, before the consort. That would be beautiful, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking to, to the good people at Dorking later on. We had a big weekend. Uh, we also had the um, mm. FA Vars, which was between Littlehampton and Newport Pagnell. Mm. I, had, I didn't know Newport. Who knew? I didn't know anything about... They're a service station. Well, exactly. That was yeah. my first thought. Um, I mean, it's clearly more than a service station. It's <laughs> okay, a service yeah. station and a football club. <laughs> yeah, but I'd right. like to think they were the... They were the um, football club of the service station under their manager, Laurie Park. Yeah. It'd be great, wouldn't it? If it <laughs> and you go and, go and celebrate. What should, how should we celebrate? We'll have a Costa. We'll have a Burger King. We'll, go in there, we'll, have, M- we'll have some M&S sandwiches. Fill your boots, boys. You know, you can't have a week in Newport Pagnell. You can't have a week in Vegas. But fill your boots in. They get the run of the service station like a supermarket sweep. Uh, tell us more about Newport Pagnell. Uh, forgive our ignorance, but well done to them. We should say it's yeah. a big win. Three yeah, very nil. good. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, Neil Custis has been writing about uh, Ralph Rangnick's time yeah. at, uh, at uh, United. Mm. He says. Uh, when things unravel at United they unravel very quickly and here we are there's an air conditioning unit in the Jimmy Murphy building mm. where press conferences are held it's been 40 for weeks making a clicking noise as Ralph Ramnick tries to explain why this club is such a mess he said um, we sit there afterwards trying typing up his words and listening to this irritating sound it makes it sound like that's Ralph Ramnick yeah. <laughs> it's an irritating sound <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast and that classic misinformation thing go on yesterday at Anfield didn't they 
Jürgen yeah. Klopp said at one moment um, I heard 3-2 and then this? for a second we thought Villa would equalise who starts that I mean it's just, it's just terrible isn't it I mean I've, I've been there when that's happened someone thinks it'll be funny to do it and it's pathetic but if it's your team I mean why would you do it against your own fans strange mad it? thing to do but anyway it wasn't to be more pitch invasions, to me it seems point deductions is the only thing that will stop this. If you know your club are going to get deducted points, you won't do it. You just won't. And otherwise it just becomes... It's funny how it all becomes a sort of trend, how they all do it. Yeah. And even you'd think, seeing the trouble that the bloke at Forest got into, you'd think City fans would realise not to do what one of them did to, allegedly no. to Olsen. It's just... Crazy, absolutely yeah. crazy. At what point does it become an invasion? At what point are you? I mean, if three or four people come over a fence, how many? How many people constitute an invasion? Well, I think you know, pitch invasion's got to be a substantial amount of people. It's got okay. to be. It's a pretty difficult thing to decide mm. on if you're going to start deducting points. Otherwise, mm. if you're a rival club's fan, what, else can, about what a game else can work? And, Nothing uh, else will work. They'll just keep doing it. You can't. Stewarding won't work. So I, I can't see what else works other than that it would serve as a real deterrent i think mm. but well, we'll see when people have uh, when the drink has been taken do, do mm. people think clearly enough to think oh if i go on the pitch we might be deducted 10 points the next season well, I mean, the people aren't doing it particularly with a clear head most of the time. Well, they're mm. not the ones that instigate. Because what's mm. happened is, you know, a, a bunch of people do it and they think, oh, well, I'll just go on as well then. They, I think, you know, there's people that are mm. the sort of ringleaders of it and everybody else follows. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. But I do agree. Uh, something has to be done because it is becoming a thing. It's not and, uh, No one's particularly enjoying it. Um, anyway, uh, yes, new, great to hear you talk about the mighty Newport Pagnell Football Club. Um, surprised you didn't know that Newport Pagnell is home of Aston Martin. I didn't. I don't know a great deal about Newport Pagan at all. I, apart from, of course, the service station. Although your comparison, comparison to Vegas is a good one. Um, you'd be lucky to make it uh, safely through a weekend on the beers there. It sounds like the party capital of that part of the world, according to Nick. So okay, uh, fair enough. if you're looking to go away for a short break, why not try Newport Pagnell? Yeah. Good idea. No, Why it's not? not. Well, it might be. It might be, Andy. Yes. Anything else? Uh, the court circular. I've got a fantastic way of describing stuff. The, the Lord Sharp of Epsom, Lord in Waiting. Oh, Earth. yeah. Perfect job was present at Heathrow Airport. That's where he's the Lord of Waiting. Yeah. Uh, this morning, <laughs> upon the arrival of the President of the Oriental Republic of Uruguay. Wow. Really? Never knew that. So you've got to be there waiting for him, if that's your job. Do you have to hold up a card? Why can't he just be the president of Uruguay? Why has he got to be the president of the Oriental Republic of Uruguay? Well, that's obviously his full... That's what it says on his business card, Andy. I don't know, I'm just guessing. And the bloke who got permission to put Welcome to Luton under the flight path to Gatwick, just in this fella... Really? Yeah. He said... He, he, I've well, just put, to freak people out as yeah, they land. He has permission for the words to be there for six weeks. And people have, people said one woman got into a panic, thought she'd flying into the wrong place and had yeah. left her car at Gatwick. It's not, it's not a great joke, is it, really? I can't no. see the point of it. How did you get permission <laughs> to do it? No, no idea, Andy. Don't take it out with me. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. 
from 2009, September 2009, and not sort of a hand-curated selection. Warts and all these are. This is why they're Clips of the Week pewter. We couldn't, we couldn't call them gold. Um, we've dusted them off for you, though. And uh, we bring you a little selection, as we do every Monday. We've not heard these since 2009, yeah. have we, Andy? You're, you're distancing yourself quite a lot I'm from I'm not them. distancing <laughs> myself. Well, you know, I'm not, because I, no, we're not isn't. promising... Uh, a, a, 12 classics, 12 right, bangers. Fair, fair I mean, enough. we trust the producer, well, to an extent. So uh, we'll see what he's come up with. Okay. Um, and where should we start, Andy? I think we should start with a bit of trademark Alan Brazil describing a goal. Good goal, Lennon got. I have been critical sometimes of Alan Lennon, but he just danced inside. Bang! Yeah. Bang! It was very much the Alan bang. Brazil. Bang! I thought it was always a quiz show in that. Or what was the missing word Alan replaces with bang? Um, sticking with trademark Big Alan, here he is with a quick question. Tony, um, another uh, crikey. It's so difficult, isn't it? You know, we spoke to Brian, Brian Horton at Hull, and, you know, they, they stayed up with the skin of their teeth there over in China. They're working hard to try and find a goal scorer. Goodness me. I mentioned Dean Ashton earlier. Goal scores, and it looks like centre halves at the moment are limited. You know, top class centre backs. Tottenham in trouble at the moment through injuries. Um, do you have to look abroad, Tony, or uh, do you try and plunder the leagues below? Just a quick question. It of was course. really, yeah, uh, yeah. It's he, a quick question. He, don't know who Tony was, but I think he's gone. Could have been Cass. <laughs> Could have been, yeah. yeah. Uh, staying with questions, here's one from technology correspondent Mike Parry. To get onto Twitter, do you need a special machine? <laughs> yeah, mobile phone, I think they're called. They're all the rage, Mike. I think even you've got one now. Over to Stan Collymore now, watching Middlesbrough. It doesn't look like too many goals elsewhere in the team, does it? Well, Alfonso Alves, 12 million to Middlesbrough last season. Couldn't hit a back door with a banjo. You're going to ruin your banjo if you do that, really. I suppose it was better than what the original was saying. Yeah, it probably was. He just played safe, didn't he? Yeah. I think it's safe to say, listening to this clip from a caller to Mike Parry, TalkSport was a very different place back in 2009. Before cow's milk, you mm-hmm. were, were having your mother's blood. Yeah. Uh, after your mother's blood, out you pop, and you have cow's milk, which is an in-between stage mm-hmm. yeah. of weaning yourself into the vegetable kingdom. The Vegetable Kingdom. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. But what, what about uh, a new winning the title Boston, yesterday? Isn't it? Vegetable Kingdom. Yes. Uh, some things definitely haven't changed, though. This is Alan again. So it'll be interesting who Ipswich put out again. Posh. Got John Walker. Same on league as well. as well, by the way. That's what Walker's um, got to say about uh, Roy King's situation. John's coming on, isn't he? Oh, is he? Walker's coming on. I'm yeah. not looking the last hour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no idea. I always love it when Alan is surprised by what's coming up in <laughs> yeah. the show. It's always a joy. Oh, I like him. I'm glad he's on. Um, so uh, what's next? Over to late night presenter George Galloway now with a bit of a Ted moment. In if general, women's Jane. educational and economic uh, independence and opportunities mm-hmm. correlate yeah. okay. with Jane. a lower we've got, we've birth got, rate Jane. or an option Jane. to have no children. Jane, we've you, got... George, seem to be saying... Jane, we've got... In, why in don't you let... Jane, Jane, can I have a word then, edgeways? Jane, Jane, Ted, 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 it was a bit of the Ian, yes, was, a bit yeah. Ian Collins. Yeah, imagine if they were married to each other, Jane and Ted, marvellous. <laughs> uh, this is a caller to Mickey Quinn on Weekend Breakfast. Jim, I, a lot of baloney what fingers come out to say about a Scottish well, conspiracy be. and all that. I mean, I'm not having that whatsoever. Has then Tony Mowbray up there said anything else? I'm not up in Glasgow. Oh, you're not up in Glasgow, no? No, I'm in Putney. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Isn't but that Amnor finishes only 28? It is. It's you, the same fella. You think it's him, yeah, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. I, I, you could well it's be right. the same thing. I'm not in Glasgow. I'm in Putney. Yes. This is former <laughs> Arsenal defender Nigel Winterburn on breakfast talking UEFA. We just can't make up a law uh, for when a referee sees it now yeah. and uh, and later on, uh, you know, if, if they don't see it and, and uh, UEFA get on their high heels. You're over on their high heels. That'd be fantastic one for RuPaul. Uh, back to Mike Parry on ecclesiastical matters. Now then, Pope John the Paul flew into Coventry Airport. Pope, Pope John, John the, the Paul. Paul. <laughs> fantastic. Yes, next, Andy. It's uh, racing expert Derek Tomo Thompson on breakfast talking about a special race. Lovely story at Epsom today. The 325 race is the Steve Donahue handicap, named, one, named after one of the great jockeys. Mm of the, the last century. And there's a jockey riding the race called Steve Donahue. Well, he's Steve Donahoe, but we call him Steve Donahue. So- Why? It's not his name, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> Just making it up. <laughs> well, we call him. Uh, and this is Danny Kelly taking a call. Here's David in Leighton. Hello, Dave. Um, hello. Uh, sorry, just poured boiling tea over my hand. Oh, <laughs> what a you, great quarter. Thank you for quarter sharing. Of the well, thanks for your call. It's £100 worth of Wix vouchers. <laughs> and some, um, yeah, anyway, I'm fine. Now. And finally, we mentioned TalkSport was a different place back in 2009. Well, here's a caller to Adrian Goldberg on Overnights. I just want to give um, a couple of bars of, um, uh, of Elvis. Go on, then. Quickly. Oh, yeah, okay, um, getting to uh, my character now, yeah. I told her to leave me alone, but that's what she'd done, that's what she'd done. And that was him in the character of Elvis. Imagine what it would have been like if he Britain's hadn't gone into character. Britain's worst Elvis impersonation. <laughs> it takes some doing. I mean, most people can have a tilt at an Elvis impersonation, can't they? You can sing an Elvis song in the style of Elvis and just about get away with it. But I'm not sure he did. I wonder if he's perfected it since 2009. Ross. Call Paul Ross overnight and uh, get in the character again, mate. We'd love to hear from you. So there we are, some clips of the week, Pewter, mm. from back in 2009. We'll try and dust off... Uh, a few more if we can next week. Good. I've got an interesting stat for you. Oh, yeah. About Chelsea, actually. They, they are the first Premier League side to go through an entire season never having been behind at half-time. So they are, in fact, Matt Scott would claim this, the first half invincibles. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so that will allow all Chelsea players from now on to be described as the first half invincibles. <laughs> I think so. And that'd be good, it's an it? amazing stat. Joining there. us now uh, uh, on the show, Mason Mount, of course, one of Chelsea's infamous first half invincibles. <laughs> You can keep it going, Andy. Yeah, I know. Mugs, T-shirts. Fantastic, isn't it? It'd be good. That's an interesting style. I would never have known that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, we're going to salute uh, the two clubs that came up to the National League uh, via the uh, North and South playoffs. York City, of course, a, a great old club. Uh, mm. They are back. Uh, David and Isha said, can you acknowledge York City? I know you're talking dorking. Talking, talking. But they were the most harshly treated club post-COVID, despite being long-standing, clear leaders. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well done to York City. But we are going to focus on Dorking, because it is quite the story in a club we really don't know much about. They have an interesting uh, setup in terms of uh, ownership. The manager is the owner. We'll be chatting to him very shortly, Mark White. But let's bring you uh, the end of that game uh, as it unfolded between Dorking and Ebbsfleet. Only one person in the box. Eat people in the box, please. Someone go far post. Go on. Nice football. 
two, Dorking Wanderers. Referee blows his whistle and Dorking Wanderers are promoted to the National League. Unbelievable. Our old mate Crackers was at the game and he said it was that like... sounded like Crackers, actually. You know, he said it was Ajax <laughs> times ten. He said it was an amazing game of football. Grown men sobbing with joy, he told oh, us. Oh, brilliant. Uh, Mark White is the uh, owner of the club and indeed uh, the manager. Good afternoon, Mark. Hi, boys. Congratulations, first off. Um, seemed, I mean, I'd like to know a little bit more about the club. I mean, you've not been established that long, have you? No, 1999, 22 years... And um, we started as a bunch of friends. We just just for a kick about, put a fiver in and, and hired a pitch for fifty quid. That's how it started. Wow! Wow! I mean, was there a point that it started to become more than that? I mean, when you started to take it seriously, and how many leagues ago was that? Would you say how many leagues have you had to go through to get to this point? Well, we've had the um, Saturday was our twelfth promotion. Hmm. Uh, so it's twelve in twenty-two seasons. Oh, um, impressive! To be honest. Yeah, we, we, if I'm honest with you, we just sort of made up, we went along really, uh, just got sort of, we kept winning and we wanted to keep trying to progress. So we'd, we'd, add, a, we'd add things to the ground and we'd, we'd built two grounds in the last sort of 20 odd years, all done with willing volunteers, no benefactors and a bit of a unique story, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, there must come a point when you've, you, you know, you realise it's getting serious. When was that point? When was the, you thought, blimey, okay, well, you know, this is quite a commitment financially and et cetera, et cetera. Was there a moment when you realised you were a sort of serious football club and not just a bunch of mates having a kickabout? Yeah, you kind of get to like what's called the county league and that sort of step five football. And uh, we've just gone into step one. So that would have been seven, eight, nine years ago, really. And um, and then yeah, then it all, all gets a bit more serious. But to be honest with you, we still have a lot of fun with it. Notwithstanding your point, which is we have to work out where the money's coming from now. Mm. And the the income from the national league is it is it? I presume it is higher than where you've been. Yeah, it's going to be higher. It's 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 got a, you know a TV deal, etc. So it's higher. Obviously, the the attendances go up naturally. I mean, that club now arguably has got. Bigger club that league's got bigger clubs than the, the EFL Division Two really. Mm. Um, if you look at the Chesterfields, Wrexhams, and Halifaxes, and there's some massive clubs in there, Oldham Athletic. So yeah, so things do go forward for you as you keep progressing. We found that over the years, you know. So what about balancing the role of manager and owner and chairman? I mean, it makes I suppose it makes the manager fairly unsackable. We haven't had a vote of confidence against the manager <laughs> any time recently. I wouldn't think. No, no. If we if we don't get promoted, what I do every year is sack one of the management team, <laughs> just, just to make myself feel better. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it, listen. I've obviously I've done it from day one when I was just collecting the subs, mm. and I I to be honest with you, I devoted I've devoted a lifetime to this club, and I'm now surrounded by loads of great people on a non-exec exec volunteer level. And we share it all out between us. But yeah, I've still got the titles. I enjoy the managing, if I'm honest. That's what I've done and they dot and been good at. If mm. I weren't good enough to do it, I think we've got enough fans now that they'd sack me, you know? Yeah, of course. Mm. You'd know when your time was up if they didn't want you there. Yeah. It was, I mean, as Crackers was saying, it was quite a game, wasn't it? It was, you you were, you look set to lose to Ebbsfleet and, and then a flare, they scored. Uh, I think that put them 2-1 up. A flare was thrown, thrown onto the pitch. 
and that held things up and added quite a lot of uh, injury time. You equalised in injury time at 99th minute and then went on to win in extra time. So pretty dramatic stuff. Yeah, the gods are out, really. It's one of those. I asked the ref how long was left. He said five seconds was what he had. Wow. Um, and that's the goal. Is that was that the winner? We I think it was the winner we heard there, wasn't it? In the commentary. No, that was the um, um, the uh, the one you heard was oh. the to take it to extra time. The late equaliser erupted. Right. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I mean, I've never seen crackers so emotional in my life. Yeah, <laughs> but it was. Um, we was out with a washing, and um, we rescued it out of nowhere. There was players that you know someone was sent a forward because his hamstring had gone. So we had to push him up front. It was like the old days, you know, playing. On a Sunday, you know, it was unbelievable. But we, we got over the line and um, obviously felt a little bit bad for Ebsfleet. And um, but for our club, it's phenomenal. What about re- recruitment for uh, next season? Because every club is sort of looking to strengthen, aren't they, over yeah. the summer? And also, uh, you've got that choice of going uh, going pro or not. I mean, there are clubs in the in the National League that are fully professional, but I suppose that's something you're not able to do at the moment, or is it? Well, it's, I mean, all the, I think all of them are, bar maybe one or two. Mm. I'm not sure we will next year because one of the big things beyond our success is we keep the same players. We've we only ever had in one or two a season. It's worked for us really well. At any one point, there'll be players in that team that have been there four, five, six seasons. Um, there's a couple been there seven or eight and they've been part of it. So very much how we play and the success factors down to that. So I wouldn't want to, if you go full time to your point, you've got to rip up that model. Some of them boys won't get to do it. So we'll have to see what happens there. But we've always just felt it out as we've gone along, really. But it's a long way from when we played in Division 5 at the Crawley and District League. Yeah. I mean, you know, one step away from, I mean, there's some big hitters there with a mm. fair bit of money. Some of them may or may not still be in that league next season, depending on what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, but the mighty talkie. Yeah, the mighty talkie, a trip to play more. Is there one guy, I know, I, it's interesting, I saw an Oldham fan earlier on railing against his club, thanking the ownership. I remember days of taking on Leicester and Manchester United. Now I've got to go to Dorking. And then maybe you want to pin that up on the dressing room. But, you know, there will be fixtures. <laughs> I'm sure there's fixtures, Mark, that uh, you're really looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of them. I mean, Chesterfield and York have both got new grounds. I mean, Oldham, ironically, probably want to look at those clubs because since they got relegated, they've sorted themselves out. Mm. Stockport as well, sort themselves out, gone back up. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. But I think all of those ex-league clubs would be great for us because we were genuinely playing on a council pitch. So we play Southend in the trophy, FA Trophy this year. It's like a like a day trip for us. We, we never forget where we came from and... All the people involved have been here donkey's years and it's, uh, you know, something we uh, still have to sort of really wake up and remember every day where we come from. And is, is Woking going to be the local derby? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, looks looks like it will be, you know, Woking, mm. Dorking, yeah, which is interesting, really interesting. What are we going to call that? Uh, classic. We need a classico derivative, don't we? Really? Yeah, yeah. We're going to need a version of that. We'll, we'll set your fans. We'll set. Yeah, Fletch is one of our team here is a <laughs> uh, big Woking fan. So we'll set you guys to work to come up with what we're going to call the local derby. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We asked you what the Woking Dorking uh, derby should be called. Um, the Classic King says. Uh, I think you come up with the best one, Andy. 
El Sarico. Not quite like that one. Uh, what about, uh, says Paul the Liverpool fan, the A25 slash A320 derby? Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> uh, but um, Matthew said, why not call it the King Derby? I'm thinking that could be misconstrued. Yeah, I, I thought of that. You're going to the no, King that, Derby? That I don't need for bad really language. Yet. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We will uh, do it all again tomorrow. I'm with uh, Charlie Baker tomorrow. Andy will be back on Wednesday. Do hope you can join us from one. If not, the podcast will be available around four o'clock. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 